0: Thanks to Audible for supporting The Motley Fool. For a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial, go to audible.com fool. Again, that's audible.com slash F-O-O-L. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. You're listening to the Healthcare Edition, recorded today on Wednesday, February 8th, 2017. My name is Michael Douglas, subbing in for Christine Hargis, and joining me today are Todd Campbell, IF Healthcare's regular contributor, and special guest, Gabby LaPera. Welcome, folks.
1: I just need to say something real quick. Michael, your podcast voice is very different than your real-life voice, and it's really <laughs> off-putting.
0: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, Todd appreciates me for who I am. Uh, I do, and I love your
2: voice. As a matter of fact, it's been a while since you've been on the show, uh, the healthcare show, so I, I'm, I'm loving it even more today.
0: You're very kind.
2: Uh, okay,
0: so as, as listeners may know, um, Gabby is joining each episode of Industry Focus this week to basically get pitched stocks. So, we, we get to Work hard, and then she renders her uh, her her decisions. Um, so Todd and I are going to do that. But first, Gabby, I know you've got some ground rules for this. So why don't we go over those?
1: Yeah. So this is part of my New Year's resolution. I don't know if you guys remember. I said I was going to buy a stock in every sector of industry focus. Um, but the important thing to remember is that Michael and Todd are not pitching me personal ideas and advice. These are just companies that they like um, in their real life. I, I believe that Michael, in fact, owns Gilead. And when I say I believe, I mean I know because he reminds me literally every day. Not every day. Almost every day. There are days I don't remind <laughs> On you. Sundays, because I don't <laughs> see him. <laughs> um, so, yes. Yeah, so none of this is going to be personal advice. Um, it shouldn't you shouldn't take it as personal advice for you either. This is just like, we like these stocks. We're going to talk about them. Um, The other thing that I want to uh, let you guys know about is that The Motley Fool has a disclosure policy we must publicly disclose if a contributor, so any of us, has an interest in any of the stocks mentioned. Additionally, Fool employees work under trading restrictions, um, which require that employees hold any stock they own for 10 days, because we're not day traders, and also that's just a good idea. Right. Um, ideally, you're holding it for much longer than 10 days but you know stuff happens. Uh, we can't write about a stock in the period of two market days before to two market days after purchasing or selling a stock, which means that I'm not going to be able to buy any of these stocks for a while um, because we're also going to do another show where we talk about some other stuff. So don't don't go looking at my profile and be like hey Gabby, where are these stocks? it's gonna take a little bit of time um, also I am required to notify our compliance department anytime we buy or sell a stock and this is in the interest of transparency to all of our listeners/ readers because we want to do that we want to be a, we want to be a good company
0: yeah and and, and and sometimes the appearance of malfeasance is you know really quite bad enough on its own um, yeah. and so we want to make sure that there is no possible Perception issue um, that we are being 100% transparent and clear about this. Have
1: they audited you? They audit us every once in a while. Have they audited you yet?
0: No, but I'm looking forward to it. Our
1: company lawyers are fearsome, um, and I was terrified that I'd forgotten to do every single step the last time I got audited. But But everything turned out well. Everything was fine. It's random audits. They weren't like suspicious of me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. All right. So let's hop in. Uh, So we're we're talking about two two stocks uh, today. Uh, Todd's going to be pitching Illumina. I'm going to be pitching uh, pitching Gilead. Um, And these stocks are basically two vastly different stories. But I'm sure we'll get more into that in a minute. Um, Todd, why don't you go ahead and start us
2: off? First of all, Gabby, I think this is a phenomenal idea for a show, and it's very, very—it's uh, perfectly timed, right? It's almost like the Super Bowl of stocks. Ah. Uh, so, no. do you see the non-Patriot fans, <laughs> 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 Gabby,
0: Gabby is saying it's uh, is it's like uh, because we've had a—I've a, 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 been so Gilad reported earnings yesterday. Now I've been counting down toward it, sort of like some people count down toward the Super Bowl, uh, and so uh, several <sighs> colleagues internally, including Gabby, have been rolling their eyes. Uh, at me. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Illumina. go ahead.
2: <laughs> all right, so Gabby, I, and I didn't do this for you, right? Because yes. of, this is not specific advice to you. but you know, with hundreds of stocks to choose from, I had to set some sort of ground rules for myself and coming up with a, an idea that I wanted to to talk about today. So what I did in is I created in my head a hypothetical investor. And that hypothetical investor is someone who's maybe you know in their 20s, 30s, or 40s, they've got a 10-, 20-, 30-year time horizon for investing in the market. They're doing everything they should be doing as far as putting aside their income 10% or more uh, every year. And they want to also own individual stocks in a diversified portfolio that includes healthcare. And, you know so that was step one okay what would fit that um that you know that investor that hypothetical investor well and then the second thing was okay if i'm going to narrow down the list to, further what is it about some of the greatest best returning most revolutionary companies of the last 10 to 20 years uh what common thread to, do they have and you know that would include stocks like you know, Amazon, right, Google, Netflix, Priceline, truly disruptive companies that reshaped um, um, industries and that quickly became leaders within their field. And that one common thread that they all share is that they put innovation first. So they're innovation first companies. Their goal is consistently disrupt, disrupt, disrupt. They are far less worried about what happens in one quarter to the next quarter to the next quarter. They're looking long-term. They're playing the long game, right? So when I thought about healthcare with that backdrop, the name that jumped to the forefront was Illumina. And I'll talk about why in a second, but I thought it might be fun first to play a quick game.
1: Okay, I'm ready.
2: Uh, you ready, yes. Michael, you ready? Sure. All right. Over or under? Are there over or under 50 million baby boomers in America? Over. Yep. (laughs) 76 million. 76 million baby boomers. And guess what? They're all longing, living longer lives, right? So we've got this huge patient population, aging patient population in America. Next one. Over or under? There are over or under 5 billion people in the world. Over. Over. 7.5 billion people living in the world today. And there are 15 million people being born uh, every day. Well, so far, I'm sorry, 15 million people being born so far this year alone. Okay, so in the first you know, month and a couple weeks, 15 million uh, new births. What do you think the global life expectancy is going to do of all of these people over the course of the next 10, 20, or 30 years? Is it going to get shorter or is it going to get longer? Longer. Longer. Absolutely. So we've got this huge patient population that's growing and living longer. And that's going to create a tremendous amount of demand across the healthcare industry. That's one of the reasons why I feel that healthcare stocks should be part of a diversified portfolio. So now, let's get into why I like Illumina. I mentioned that I like innovation-first companies. Well, Illumina is now being run by a guy named Francis D'Souza. And Francis, in his most recent conference call with investors, said, at our core, and this has been true since the founding of the company, we are an innovation-driven company, and we spend a lot of time thinking about the fundamental breakthroughs that will accelerate the adoption of genomics and accelerate, as in our mission, to improve human health through unlocking the power of the genome. And the way that he is going to do that, and this company is going to do that, is by developing increasingly more powerful genetic sequencing machines that are going to allow researchers and drug developers to dive deeper and deeper and deeper into the understanding of how our bodies work. And in doing that, they're going to be able to unlock discoveries that will lead to new medicines that that, that more accurately can can treat individuals uh, and that can transform outcomes. And that is the, kind of the, the crux, I guess, if you will, of why I like Illumina as a long-term investment. They, investment. they are the Goliath, the Amazon, if you will, of their industry in making genetic sequencing machines. They've got more than 7,500 of these machines deployed throughout the world. And they just rolled out new machines this year. They're rolling them out this year, the NovaSeq. 5,000, and NovaSeq, 6,000. And these machines are faster, they're better, and they are likely to spark a major overhaul of all of those thousands of machines that are already deployed throughout the world. And I think that that could kickstart a significant amount of demand and unleash a lot of genetic research that otherwise has not been uh, conducted today because of its expense. And the reason behind that I'm getting long winded. The reason behind (laughs) that is that these machines put in place a pathway to reduce the cost of sequencing a genome from $1,000 today to eventually as little as $100. And to put that in perspective in 2010, it cost $10,000 to sequence genomes. So as this price falls, we're likely to see far more research getting done, and that's likely to drive demand for the consumables that are used by these machines.
1: Okay. All right. I have so many questions for that, but we're gonna we're gonna reserve the Q and A until later.
0: Yeah. So, uh, all right. Very good. Thank you, Todd. Let me give a uh, a brief pitch for Gilead Sciences. So, Gilead Sciences is, um, is a stock that is really primarily in two businesses today. Um. Uh, treating HIV and curing hepatitis C. Um, and it is the market share leader in both. Um, and so, it's it's kind of the big dog in both of these uh, really quite enormous markets. Um, now, Usually, it's kind of hard uh, for people to recommend a stock that is down ten percent the day that they're recommending it. Um, <laughs> after guiding for its twenty seventeen revenue to fall by over twenty percent at the midpoint from its twenty sixteen numbers, but I think that Gilead Sciences has an underappreciated and enormous opportunity. So let's let's talk about it. Um, now, um, hepatitis C—they're curing patients, um, and one of the um, so unlike with HIV, where you know once you have HIV, you at least thus far, pretty much have it for life and you know there are our uh, treatments designed to basically um, manage the disease um, with hepatitis C these are cures we're talking 95, 99, uh, percent cure rates for hepatitis C. Um, and so, uh, when it onboards a patient, um, it cures that patient, uh, and then that patient sort of falls out of the revenue cycle for Gilead because they no longer have hepatitis C. Um, and so, hepatitis C revenue is on the decline, um, and that's because basically they've treated the, um, the the sickest patients, and so they are now increasingly treating less sick patients who need less medicine to get better, uh, to be cured, um, and um, who are also less Urgently in need, and so they are, you know, seeking treatment at a slower rate, Um, and so that is going to drag on the company's top line for sure. Um, And that's why they're guiding for the revenue to fall so much next year. HIV is supposed to be stable to maybe up a little bit. Um, Now. I think the key part of the thesis for Gilead is optionality. Um, And that sort of stems from two things. First off, um, they've got a superb management with a fantastic history of accretive acquisitions. And I'll talk briefly about uh, a couple of them. So, um, when they bought uh, Triangle uh, uh, Pharmaceuticals in 2003, um, and uh, Pharmacet in 2012, in both cases, there was um, a lot of speculation by analysts that they overpaid. Um, And Triangle provided a HIV drug called emtricitabine, which is a big part of Gilead's HIV franchise, Um, and Pharmacet provided a which is a big part of Gilead's hepatitis C franchise. In both cases, they made several multiples of what um, those acquisitions cost them, you know, pretty quickly. So, um, Gilead's got you know, a management that is really good at allocating capital, and that I think is one of the key differentiators in healthcare and in any industry, is if you have a management who really knows what they're doing, they can make really great things happen. The second piece of optionality that Gillette has is it has a ton of cash. The hepatitis, you know, the hepatitis C franchise may be on the decline, but it is a cash cow. I mean, we were talking that they are running, you know, 90 percent gross margins on their drugs, and so there's a lot of cash that they have sitting, about thirty-two billion dollars worth, actually, um, and Management has said that their top, um, their primary focus in 2017 is, and I'm quoting CFO Robin Washington here, uh, leveraging our capital to pursue external opportunities to expand our R&D pipeline. What that means is M&A. Now, um, Gilead, with all that cash, can buy a lot, (laughs) a lot in healthcare. Uh, There are a lot of healthcare companies that. Um, that it could uh, do a tie-up with, and so what'll be interesting, of course, is whether they maintain that discipline. The fact that they have maintained that discipline, even though they're guiding for their revenue to decline this next year, um, and even though Wall Street has been pushing them to buy somebody already for over a year, really speaks, I think, to management's confidence in its own ability. Um, the second thing is, frankly, like with that 32 billion in cash. I mean, their market cap is. In the upper 80 billions, they could uh, right now they could retire over a third of their shares outstanding at current prices because they're trading at about six and a half times earnings. Um, so, where Illumina is very much a growth play, I think Gillette is very much a valuation play, and I think it is an incredibly attractive company at these prices, um, even with the declines built in for next year um, and especially given what it can do with that cash and with this superb management team. Um, So, we'll we'll head on over to Q&A in just a minute. But first, a uh, quick note from our uh, sponsors. Um, Audible has an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original shows, news, comedy, and more. Uh, Audiobooks are great to listen to when you are driving, stuck in traffic, on the metro, doing chores, at the gym, um, shopping, you know, sort of wherever you need to kind of zone out a little bit and um, and put your attention on really an interesting story um, you know for our audience audible is offering a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial um, and if you want to listen to it audible has it uh, just go to audiblecom slash fool and browse their unmatched selection of audio content download a title free and start listening it's really just that easy me personally uh, I've been listening to 1776 by David McCullough um, it's a history book, and you might be like, "Okay, cool. Well, you're a stock guy. Why are you talking about a history book?" But the thing is that for me, 1776 really highlighted what a great manager George Washington was. You know, in terms of tactics and strategy, he wasn't a genius, but he was very, very good at finding people who were good at different elements of war fighting, bringing them together, giving them the resources they needed to win. That's good management. And when it comes to investing, I think good management is one of the key differentiators. Um, and so, for me. Um, I think history and investing really have a lot that they sort of can recommend to each other, and there's a lot that each field can learn from the other. So, a um, lot, of, lot of really good stuff. Um, one other thing about Audible, they've got uh, a great listen guarantee. Um, so, if you choose a book and you decide you don't like it, uh, no worries. You can just exchange it for another title anytime. No questions asked. Um, so again, get that free audiobook with a 30-day free trial at audible.com/fool. That's audible.com/fool. And thanks to Audible for uh, supporting the industry-focused podcast. All right. So let's hop back in to <laughs> to right, our second part of our show, the Q and A. Gabby, fire away.
1: Okay. So my first question is actually for Todd because I am very interested in genomics um, and It's. I I might ask you some questions that throw you for a loop because I don't know if you know this about me. Talking about books that we read in our spare time, I really enjoy genetics a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, my my first question for you is: um, Do you know anything about epigenetics? Let's start. Let's start there.
2: (laughs) I know it's a major area of research, and a lot of money has been put forth into in research into it. You know, Cellgene has. Some stakes and in, in a couple different companies, that are doing some work on it, but I haven't taken a look at it recently.
1: Okay, so that was actually going to be my first question. Epigenetics is kind of like we should do a show on epigenetics, Michael. We'll we'll forget Christine. We'll
0: we'll we'll ask Christine what she would like to do and then you two can, can sort that out. I am filling in today.
1: <laughs> um but no, so I'm I'm really interested to, to know, does Illumina have any plans to do anything with epigenetics? Because epigenetics also requires like a, a type of sequencing, um and it's becoming more and more important, especially as we realize the effect that epigenetics has on uh, disease outcomes for individuals. Is there any kind of like future for that or is this just like me wildly speculating?
2: Oh, well, you know what? Here's the thing. The whole concept is to figure out how we can sequence not only the body, but also uh, sequence tumor cells, right? To learn more about tumors so that we can better attack them. So there's a tremendous amount of research that's going on through drug companies throughout the world to try and evaluate um, the DNA and the RNA that's responsible for disease. And that's not just genetic disease, like you know Down syndrome or something like that, that's also cancer. And I think that you're going to see more, not less of that activity going on. I mean, you've got China spending $9 billion on its own precision medicine initiative. You've got the US spending billions of dollars on ours. Europe is doing programs like this as well. And the whole idea behind it is to learn more about our bodies uh, and disease so that we can better target therapies to it. And it doesn't matter where, if it has to do with genetics, they're going to be using machines like Illumina's. And Illumina is the biggest player. It's like the Coca-Cola of its industry. So my feeling is that if you believe that epigenetics is the future, and research is going to be done on genes, and these gene discoveries uh, are going to be uh, delivered by uh, machines like this, then Illumina's a stock to buy.
1: Okay, so now I have a few more questions based on my time spent in labs. Um, How long are what's what's the life cycle intended for these products? Because I have totally worked in labs where they are using the same um, machinery that they've had since like ninety five. Like you, you need a Windows ninety five compatible computer to run these machines. Um, Yeah, these are all next
2: generation stuff. I mean, the, the, the life cycle is measured in years, not decades. The last uh, major launch was about five years ago, six years ago, the HiSeq 10. Uh, When that came out is what dropped the cost of sequencing the genome from 10,000 to about 1,000. Obviously, the NovaSeq that's coming out this year is probably going to have a five to eight year leg, something like that. Um, The transition to these machines won't happen overnight. It'll be a slow, um, as you imagine, rollout. As people bring these machines in, they get comfortable and then shut down the use of the older machines. Uh, but i think that that creates an opportunity where you know if if sales and revenue if revenue sort of slows a little bit this year then it could reaccelerate as we get into 18 19 and 20 as more and more of these machines get convert uh, uh, get swapped out for these machines and researchers get more and more comfortable using them.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting, because most of my experience with research has been in grant-funded labs as opposed to uh, commercial labs, so there it's a matter of, like, do we have the money to buy a new machine? Nope, we're sticking with the one that's 25 years old. Um, Yeah, and I
2: think what you're going to find is that there's more and more ways to be able to leverage the technology and the discoveries by those researchers uh, using these grants, and and that's one of the reasons, too, that so much money is being contributed now by the NIH and grants two things like the precision medicine in- initiative to do gene sequencing you know specifically calling out this as a major area for funding
1: cool so thank you very much do you have any questions for Todd about Illumina no i don't think i do okay well i am ready to ask you some questions about Gilead shoot sure. um so we know that Gilead is in the HIV and Hep C space what would they be looking to expand into would they continue in HIV or
0: great question um so Management has management's always. I, I think company management's always a little hesitant about tipping their hand too much. Um, but what Gilead's management has shared is that they are looking to expand into cancer and into autoimmune diseases. Um, and so a great example of this was um, Gilead uh, basically purchased the rights to a drug called Filgotinib from uh, a biotech called Galapagos last year. Um, and. Um, Filgotinib is an autoimmune disease drug uh, potentially, and um, they got it for a pretty good price. And it looks like you know if the clinical trials continue to show positive data, uh, and um, and if it grows into the sort of um, marketing expectations, uh, the peak sales uh, expectations that analysts have guided for, um, that it could be worth um, quite a bit more than they paid for it. Um, And so that's just kind of classically Gilead to sort of find something that people think they know the opportunity with, and then. Find a greater opportunity with it, um, so yeah, it, it it looks like they're kind of thinking more along the autoimmune and cancer uh, lines. That said, they actually have a couple of cardiovascular drugs um, which they basically purchased because they were pretty much off the shelf, ready to go, and so it didn't require a lot of um, investment by them to make make it happen. Um, and um, so they've also said, management's also said that they would be willing to try, you know, just get some off the shelf stuff that's kind of outside their areas of competence, um, if it's, you know, sort of a you pay up front and then it just goes. Um, so I think we could see either way, but I think it's more likely that we'll see more autoimmune and cancer.
1: Interesting. and does Gilead have a lot? does it do mainly like just purchases and then a little bit of in-house tinkering, or does it have like a really big in-house r and d department as well?
0: Yeah, so uh, they do have a big in-house r and d department um, and a lot of their drugs are internally sourced. Um, but that said, they they do a pretty good job of also uh, finding external drugs. Um, i I would characterize management's philosophy as kind of wherever we can get the best ROI on our time and money, we'll we'll do it. Um, and so they've done a good job on both ends.
1: Um, this is kind of my out there question for you. Shoot, do you think Gilead will kill hepatitis C? Well, Gilead and all the other drug companies that have Hep C drugs,
0: right? And 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 yeah, to be clear, I mean there are uh, a couple of other competitors, um, in they're primarily Merck and AbbVie. Um, they have relatively low market share. Um, we're talking that uh, Gilead's market share, um, when last shared, um, was in the like mid 80s. So you know, they're kind of the big dog in the space. Um, I think that it's going to be a very long time before Hepatitis C is completely gone, um, and that's because it's it's relatively easy, um, comparatively easy, for someone to get Hepatitis C treatment here in the United States, um, or in Europe. Um, it's going to be a lot harder in Nigeria, um, or or somewhere else where there just isn't like an enormous healthcare system. Um, I do believe that Hepatitis C can be pretty close to wiped out, um, but it's not going to be a next year, or I think it's totally speculating here, even next decade
1: kind of thing. That's totally fair. I mean, we technically still have leprosy, right? So, and by technically, I mean we definitely do. Don't pick up armadillos; they're the primary vector of infection in the United States for leprosy. Um, fun fact: <laughs> 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 I'm I'm well known around the fool for my not so fun facts. Unfortunately, <laughs> they,
2: they are always something.
1: <laughs> um, Todd, do you have any questions for Michael?
2: Oh, so many questions, but I know we're a little bit tight on time. And I know that Michael probably had some questions about Illumina, too, and he's just being kind. You know, I would just say to all of our listeners, you know, we've got tons of content on this and on the full website. So if they have any questions that, that they're not getting answered by us, please go there. And, uh, and, but I, no, no I, I think Michael did a great job in kind of explaining the backstory and, and the reason to buy this one. Everyone
1: uh, has been so polite. It's incredible. I thought y'all would be really cutthroat. Well, and everyone's like, no. Todd it's and I are old
0: friends. We, we've worked together for a <laughs> while now. Um, and, and, and Todd, I'll also say, I thought that was a, 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 a very good sort of high level on healthcare and then on Illumina's opportunity. Um, folks, if you do have a question, um, a specific question, and you want an answer, shoot us an email. Industry focus at fullcom and I guarantee we will respond. Uh, we love listener emails. Um, in fact, a couple weeks ago, Dylan Lewis um, brought me back for a, an encore episode because a listener emailed and, and had a question. And we were like, cool, we'll do a whole episode based on that. Now I'm not guaranteeing an episode here, but we will get you an answer. Um, we're passionate about stocks. It's just kind of what we do. Um, so, that's, uh, that's big for us.
1: Yeah. So, I actually do have one more question for both of you, which I've asked everyone else so far, uh, which is, If you could give one piece of advice to a beginning investor, what would it be?
0: For me, um, the big one would be um, when you're when you're new to a sector, go big. Um, And so by that, what I mean is like healthcare, you know, energy. I mean, a lot of these sectors are really kind of difficult to really get your feet wet in. Um, And it's great to start with a big cap company. You know, do not go for some two hundred million dollar clinical stage biotech. um, before you really kind of understand the overall disease treatment sphere and um, big companies are uh, really great for that. They tend to be well diversified, they tend to have a lot of different products. And so you can kind of get a census to a bunch of different markets. Plus if you're if you're wrong in your investing thesis, chances are good the company's not going to go out of business, right? When you pick the really small ones, they they could just die. Whereas, you know, somebody, you know, a J and um, a CVS, uh, you know, a Gilead or an Illumina probably going to be around uh, a few years from now
2: barring something really crazy happening. Todd, Diversify. Diversify, diversify, diversify. I mean Christine and I talk about this every week on the show, especially when you're dealing with healthcare and biotechnology, stocks, biopharma. Uh, it's make, make sure that you don't put all those eggs in one basket, spread it around a little bit because there are there are things that, that cause stumbles and 10% drops in one day. Um, and you need to be able to ride that out across an entire portfolio.
1: Thank you. That that was those are two very good pieces of advice, and very I think we've had a very thoughtful and substantial conversation, as I've had the last two days. Well,
0: good, fantastic. Uh, well, Gabby, thanks for joining us on Industry Focus Healthcare. I'm also glad to uh, have gotten to hop in for a bit. And Todd, as always, thanks for uh, everything uh, everything you're doing. Um, as always. Remember, contributors on the show uh, may own stocks we discuss, and The Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against stocks that we're discussing. So, please do not buy or sell or really do anything with a stock based solely on what you hear. Always do your own due diligence. It's the right way, it's the foolish way. Um, For Todd Campbell and Gabby LaPera, I'm Michael Douglas. Thanks much, and full on.